Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 279. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online team. We are continuing our breakdown of the Blueprint MCAT Diagnostic, which you get for free at blueprintmcat.com. Com. We are doing bio biochem discrete section. So buckle up and I hope you enjoy. Before we jump in though, again, you get this diagnostic for free at blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for a free account and you can follow along with us or you can work ahead and then use our videos and podcasts here to our podcast episodes to review your diagnostic exam and even full length one, which you also get for free with that free Blueprint MCAT account. George, back for some more MCAT podcasts. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to be back. Ready to tackle some discrete questions today. So some discrete. So you you flip the page, so to speak. Um, I, I took the MCAT. It was still a, a written test, uh, a paper test. Um, no you, way. You, <laughs> I'm old, what? dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You, <laughs> hey, hey, don't say that. It makes me feel bad. I was just going to say, I was like, I don't remember. I can't imagine. Like, like what did you use? A Scantron? Or was yeah, it like? Scantron. Four, four and a half hour sit in a sit in a big uh auditorium on campus and take take the test uh with a written section as well so you're writing out uh written section. yeah there, there was like a an essay essay section um wow. old school old school <laughs> I love <it>. <laughs> <laughs> literally old um as as we uh, flip the page again so to speak uh and, and we get to, oh, ooh, it, I'm at the discrete section now. Uh, how does mindset need to shift or change or does it when you, when you get to a discrete section? This is tough because I think the biggest concern that students have in kind of these science sections is the content. And I would say for the discrete question, that's one of the places where it actually kind of matters um, in the sense that there's no passage to compare to. There's no like, there's no real, you know, dots to connect per se. You'll still have to integrate some knowledge that you know usually isn't like a one-off like fact, but sometimes it just it just is. It's a discrete content nugget that you either know or you don't. In terms of that, it's like with your approach, you just have to decide. Hey, listen, if I don't know this, I'm going to read the question. If I'm like, 
I don't know, Le Chatelier's principal. Who's she? Never heard of her. Just move on. Like, like it's not even a question to flag because if you came back to it, you have no idea what, like it, if you spend more time on it and it won't give you the answer, it's not a question to flag. Guess, move on, right? All the questions are worth the exact same number of points. You don't want to waste 10 minutes mulling over a question and being like, oh, I'm kicking myself because I should know this concept. If you don't know it, guess and move on. That's the best thing you can do with these concrete or these discrete questions. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we do here. Um, yeah. These ones are much harder for me because, uh, again, being so far removed from the, the content, yeah, I can't rely on the passage and uh, process of elimination as easily. But there uh, still is those here. skills that you mentioned earlier, like comparing yeah. so many answers, looking for parallelism, looking for like, remember, two same answers can't be both right. So they're both wrong. So like yeah. definitely using that approach is definitely a thing to use. All right. Well, we we shall see. Um, so question 16. Which of the following will cause a blood pH of 8.2? Okay. Well, I know kind of normal physiologic pH, 7.4, uh, 8.2, or uh, on the alkalotic side. Um, uh, so some alkalosis here. What's going to cause uh, alkalosis? All right, A, decreased O2 concentration, B, decreased tidal volume, C, increased H2O concentration, or D, increased respiratory rate. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the one that I think I know the best uh, off the bat, and that's the respiratory rate. Uh Increased respiratory rate, if I remember correctly, causes an acidosis, not an alkalosis. Um, I don't specifically remember why, but I think I remember that. So again, just based on what I remember potentially, and that may be dangerous, uh, I'm going to get rid of that. So let's use let's use some thought process here. Uh, decreased oxygen concentration. If I have decreased oxygen. I don't, I don't know why that would cause an acidosis or an alkalosis. That would just cause some hypoxia. <laughs> I would just be a little lightheaded because uh, I'm not going to have any oxygen to my brain. Uh, and that having decreased oxygen potentially increases your respiratory rate because you're like, I need more oxygen. So potentially A and C, A and D are kind of the same answer, uh, at least leading to uh, what's going on. So I'm like, I'll get rid of oxygen because I'm like, I don't really know what's going on there. Decreased tidal volume. So tidal volume, I, I remember, is like the amount of air that I'm bringing in uh, into my lungs. And if I bring in less air into my lungs, I'm bringing in less oxygen potentially, but I'm potentially also not exchanging as much carbon dioxide, which I think is what's causing the, the acid buildup. So I think that also is the same answer where I'm getting to the same place. So I'm like, well, that that doesn't seem like it's the right answer either. All right. So maybe, maybe by process of elimination, I get to see just because that's the only one left, but let's look at it. So right, increased H2O concentration. Okay, so water. Uh, obviously, water, if I have too much water in my blood, uh, then 
I'm going to be diluted and whatever stuff is in my blood to cause my acid uh, base balance, I'm going to be more diluted. I'm going to be more alkalotic. So yeah, kind of maybe potentially makes sense. So I'm just going to stick with C. Fair enough. <laughs> I want to begin by saying that I really love the first paraphrase that you made, right? You took the question, blood pH of 8.2, do those values matter? No. You said, what causes alkalosis? And that's key. So I really love the paraphrase. In terms of the logic, <laughs> I was like, you had a lot of good stuff in there. And then there's a one, because you said for B, you know, if you, you don't breathe as much, it gets more acidic. Whereas now, like, I almost challenge you to look back at D. D is the opposite. If you breathe more, your blood still gets more acidic. How is that possible, right? So let's break this. Let's, let's look at this. Oh, correct- I, I will challenge you on that. Like, okay. tidal volume and rate are not, are not the, the same. You are correct. You are correct. They're, they're, they're related, though. So let's, let's break through this. So let's talk about um, A, you're absolutely correct. So, like, Oxygen concentration has no impact on pH. If there's a there's a strange state where we talk about, okay, maybe they're dec- they're hypoxemic because they're not really breathing. Maybe that's a, that makes sense. And in that case, if they're not really breathing, just like you said, they're not getting rid of CO2 at the same time. The key here is to remember that CO2, higher CO2 in your blood will make your blood more acidic. Mm-hmm. I like to remember this is kind of like, you know, we talk about in the environment, we talk about CO2 in the atmosphere, it's acidifying the oceans. I remember CO2 makes things more acidic. And the reason for that, if you actually look into it, there's like Le Chatelier's principle, it's a bicarb buffer. So H plus HCO3, so the protons plus um, bicarb makes carbonic acid, H2CO3, makes water and CO2. So there's the spectrum. So really, if you think about it, more CO2 will ultimately push towards more protons. So more CO2 in the blood will make more acid. Mm -hmm. So if we keep that in our mind, the other thing I like to remember that it's not really relevant for this question, but really alkalosis and acidosis, there's two states to it, right? We learned this in like med school, there's two mechanisms. It can be respiratory, or metabolic. Respiratory means it's at the level of the lungs. Metabolic means it's at the level of the kidneys. But all this is saying is that there's an imbalance in this chemical equation that we just talked about, the bicarbonate buffer. Either you have too much, too little bicarb or too much, too little carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Here, when we glance at the answers, a lot of them do with breathing. We're probably going to deal with our carbon dioxide. So let's look for something. If we're going to predict, we want it to be more alkalotic, just like you said. We want Mm -hmm. it to be more basic. Are we going to have too much or too little CO2 in our blood if we want it to be more alkalotic? Too little. Too little. How do we get too little CO2? By blowing it off. Increased respiratory rate. If you're hyperventilating, you're breathing really quickly, you're like, (laughs) you're getting rid of all your CO2, your CO2 levels in your blood will fall. That will cause your acid levels to fall as well, which is why the pH increases. So you will actually be through an increased respiratory rate, you'll cause a respiratory alkalosis. If we look closely at the other one, so increased water concentration, water is kind of a solvent. It's not really, it's neutral, right? It's not basic. It's not acidic. It actually changes, doesn't change the pH at all. The decreased tidal volume. So this is really interesting. Tidal volume means the amount of volume that you breathe normally. So if we graphed it out, it's like the volume you breathe in without like being strained. So just everyday conversation, you're normal, like your inhales, right? You're not going to your reserve volumes. You're not inhaling like extra hard. You're not exhaling extra hard. It's your tidal volume. So you can imagine your tidal volume decreases and you're taking like really small breaths. 
the result is you'll probably start to like, you're not getting enough out and enough in on each breath. So if we really look at this, if you're not getting enough carbon dioxide out, is your blood going to be acidic or alkalotic? You're not. It's going to be, it's going to be acidic, but this one to me, and and I get into logic, logic fights all the time with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. If you have an increased respiratory rate, your tidal mm-hmm. volume is going to go down because you're breathing fast. You're not going to take the time to take nice, long, deep breaths. So I would say yes and no to that because technically a tidal volume isn't a deep breath. It's just your regular like. So if I if I T- tidal in, volume is the amount of air that you're moving with a respiratory cycle with a normal breath. Yeah. So with Ooh, a I, don't, I don't know about normal. I, so there's there's. I really love what you're, so there, there is a diagram and like if for the viewers watching right now, there's like that little, it's like the waves, like the tidal volume, the in and the out, right? Correct. When you start to go, when you start to go into your deep breath, meaning like your everyday, like when I'm having this conversation and the regular breaths I'm taking, that's my tidal volume. But if I go, no, 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 but, but see, I, I think you're, you, so, so this is fun. I think yeah. you're confusing textbook with what tidal volume is tidal volume is the amount of air that I'm passing with a breath with a regular, no, breath. with a breath. No. So I really challenge you. And okay. Maybe so if I'm doing diagram. this, so I, I don't have a tidal volume there. I don't think so because you're technically, you're blowing out too hard. If you're blowing out more, you're actually going into your expiratory reserve volume. If we pull up, like, do we have an option to pull up like a, like a diagram of like uh, lung volumes or like lung, lung capacities? Cause like it's, if you imagine your tidal volume, is like normal breath. If you go above the tidal volume. So like every time this is the normal amount I breathe, if you go above yeah. it, this is now called your inspiratory reserve volume. This is the extra amount of air you can inhale into your lungs when you need the extra air. So if you're exercising really hard and you need to take like, so my normal breath goes to, and then I breathe out the inspiratory reserve volume. When I go like that point, I'm going into the inspiratory reserve volume. It's the same thing as when I blow out regularly, like not really thinking about it. It's like, ha huh, breaths out. If I push, I can push more and I go, right? Like push out. That's not your expiratory reserve volume. Your tidal volume goes really into your normal breathing rate, like your regular sitting at rest, just how much you breathe in and out. That's your tidal volume. So if we talk about a decreased tidal volume, that means you're taking less air in and less air out at just at rest, your normal breaths. Okay. Does does that kind of, do you you agree, disagree? I'll disagree. But again, like, to to me, and I, I understand the the expiratory like the all that stuff, right? Yeah. If if I have an increased respiratory rate, yes, you're breathing faster. I'm breathing faster. My tidal volume is changing because I'm breathing faster. Not necessarily because you could be breathing at the same volume, but you're just breathing faster. It's like it's like a think of it like amplitude versus frequency, right? If we draw, yeah, out I suppose it doesn't have to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So amplitude versus frequency. You can yep. have the same amplitude of a wave, but yep. it can just happen faster. Yep. 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 In which case the tidal volume wouldn't change, but the respiratory rate would get faster. Frequency. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Amazing. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. We're 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 back on the same page. Yeah, I know. Won the battle, but at what cost? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Got it. So increased respiratory rate, you're blowing off your CO2. Yes. You uh, get more alkalotic. Absolutely. Blowing off more CO2, (sighs) not blood, not as acidic, (laughs) more alkalotic. Yeah. Oh man. All right. 17. Go ahead. Here we go. 
Patients with excess fat are more likely to require larger therapeutic doses of which vitamin? A, vitamin B1, B, vitamin C, C, vitamin D, or D, vitamin B3. This might be a little confusing because like we're saying like A, vitamin B, B, vitamin C, but the answers are vitamin B1, vitamin C, vitamin D, and vitamin B3. So (laughs) this one, I'm scared with this one, right? When I see vitamins and fat, I go, ooh, fat-soluble vitamins, Mm. A-D-E-N-K, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. The only one that's A-D-E-N-K here is vitamin D. So I'm going to immediately jump to C because fat and vitamins, D is the only one that, that plays a role here. That's precisely it. You're <laughs> spot on, right? Cool. So you're absolutely right. I think that the, the mnemonic I had was like uh, Cade, like K-E-D, uh, K-A-D-E. Just, I don't know. It looked like kale. I love kale. It's dumb. But a lot of people have like ADEC, like ADEC is yeah, like what I remember. Yeah. Um, and so these are the fat-soluble vitamins. So this is, again, a very discrete content nugget that you either know or you don't. So if yeah. you come across this question, if you don't know it, guess, move on. Don't even flag it, right? But when we come back to this, so... If we, if we figure out why it's right, the first strategy you used was perfect. Which one is unlike the others? You know, you knew that something about fat-soluble vitamins was A, D, E, and K. The only one here was D, which means that C and B probably behave similarly. Even B1, B3, probably similar in some way, right? Yep. So in this question, why is it correct? Patients with excess fat are more likely to require larger therapeutic doses of which vitamin? This is saying patients with excess fat need larger doses of what? If we come down to it, if it's a fat-soluble vitamin, if we ingest the vitamin, and let's just say we have a regular dose, we have a regular dose of our vitamin that's fat-soluble, where is it going to go? It's going to dissolve in our fat stores. If it dissolves in our fat stores, is there more or less in our system to have some sort of effect? Yeah, less. There's going to be less. So if there's less, that means we need to increase the dose to account for the fact that it's going to be basically diluted because it's going to shunt into our different tissues. We need to increase the therapeutic dose. We need to increase the therapeutic dose of a fat soluble vitamin for a patient with excess fat to give the same therapeutic value. So that's why in this case, vitamin D would be correct. Vitamin B, all the vitamin Bs and vitamin C are actually the water soluble vitamins. Um, So that's just like a little extra content nugget. But in that case, it would have no interaction with fat. So it wouldn't make a difference. So vitamin D is the correct answer here. I love how neon yellow B vitamins make your pee. Those are fun. (laughs) All right. So if if you take a multivitamin, it's neon yellow. You're getting lots of B vitamins that you're just spending money on expensive pee. Expensive pee. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Question 18. Chitin's flexibility and strength. Chitin? Chitin? I always call it chitin. chitin. I'm not chitin. sure. Yeah, yeah it's Maybe chitin. It might be chitin. Chitin's I don't know. flexibility and strength make it favorable as a biodegradable surgical thread. All of the following describe the portion of a chitin molecule shown below, except, and so we have a little graph here of a couple of rings connected. Um, all right, so A, carbohydrate, B, polypeptide, C, disaccharide, or D, polymer. So all of the following describe the portion of the chitin molecule below, except. So one of these is not described here, um, and three of them are. Carbohydrate, I'm going to skip for now because I have like this picture of a carbohydrate in my head that I'm not sure if it fits here. 
polypeptide. I don't really remember what that is. Um, disaccharide, two sugars. I think I see a little sugar molecule here just based on uh, my my uh, rough memory of what a sugar molecule looks like. Polymer, like poly, poly multiple things. I don't know. Like, sure, maybe something. Like, So I'm going to go back up. Like, I'm not sure where I'm at other than polysaccharide, I think, is the one. Carbohydrate for me, like when I think of carbohydrate, and maybe I'm wrong, I think of really long chain of something. Um, and that may be wrong, but like carbohydrate to me is the one that isn't right because I'm like, well, carbohydrates, I remember like just a really long chain. Uh, and so I'm going to go with A um, just for that reason. It's a good thought process. Well, that's, I'm, I'm going to challenge you for a second. <laughs> challenge me. When we think of carbs, I know sugars. Of, yeah. Sugars. Okay. So definitely <laughs> Which, so I ask us what we think. Right. And when yeah. you said sugars, yeah. you, when you said D, what did you I, like about D? I don't know. I didn't really like it. You didn't really like it. So, cause remember we're looking for a not, right? Yeah. So we're looking for all of the following except basically yeah. the question has nothing really to do with chitin it has nothing really to I do know. with surgical threat. I know. It's just saying like, look at this molecule. Do you see the part here, right? Which one do you not see? So we look at this molecule. We have yeah. an accept question. Yeah. Which do you not see? Not a carbohydrate, not a polypeptide, yeah. not a disaccharide. Well, I, a the one I said was disaccharide. I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. And carbohydrate, yeah. disaccharide is just two sugars. <laughs> carbohydrate yes. is a sugar. So exactly. I, I definitely so, picked the wrong answer. <laughs> so if we break that down, exactly. So I think when I think carbs, I think sugars, yeah. right? And you, just like you said, disaccharide means two sugars. Yeah. If disaccharide is true, if there's two sugars, then you yeah. definitely have sugars. Uh, right? yeah. You definitely have carbohydrates. So we can probably eliminate those two. Yeah. But now let's look at polypeptide and polymer, right? Polymer, just like you said, multiple things, right? Great. We see it looks like multiple things are attached together. It might be might be our answer. Polypeptide. If you just think of the word peptide, do you does that recall anything? Peptide, peptide in terms of like macromolecules. Mm-mm. Does that relate to anything? Does that ring a bell? Peptide. Well, I, it does ring a bell. I don't. I don't remember looks or shapes or anything. Mm. So peptides, do you remember what a peptide bond is? A peptide bond. Yeah, again, I, I know the name. I don't remember yeah. the, the actual structure. Sure. So peptides, and we actually saw this in a in a passage earlier. What kind of molecule was that? The two-chain, like the polypeptide, the two-chain polypeptide, the toxin. What kind of molecule? Was that a fat, a lipid? Sorry, was that a lipid, a carb, or a protein? The toxin. A couple episodes back. Uh, protein? It was a protein. Yeah. Polypeptides are protein yeah. chain. So a peptide bond links amino acids. Yeah. So a polypeptide is a bunch of amino acids into like a bunch of like a peptide bonds, like forms a protein ultimately. When we look for proteins, we want to look for a classic, what I call an NCC, an N-terminal. So an amino group, a C with an R group, and then a carboxylic acid group, NCC. In this case, when I look here, I don't see any proteins. Mm-hmm. So for me, the correct answer would be B. If we break it down, so remembering carbohydrates, carbohydrates, just if we talk about that structure, I think the long chain, you're probably thinking about either like glycogen or starches, where mm. individual units are very long chains. But if we break them down, that's a polymer. If you break it down into the monomer, each individual sugar either looks like this little hex, like, uh, you know, six, six-membered ring mm-hmm. or like a six-carbon like chain um, when you flatten it out into a Fisher projection. So a classic sign is that anytime I see, you know, these uh, 
these these rings, these um, these six membered rings with an oxygen in it, and then these OH groups going up and down and up and down. Probably a carbohydrate, right? So if we if we look at this, the carbohydrates we see them in the sugars. We see those like sugar rings. We see the disaccharide. It's two sugars linked together, and it's a polymer because again, multiple units attached together. I might make an argument that it's more like an oligomer than a polymer, which means like a smaller thing linked together. But the point is, what we really don't see is polypeptide. There's no proteins here. There's no amino acids here. And for that reason, which one's the most wrong? Which one is like all we see all these things except? We don't see the polypeptide. B is the correct answer. <sighs> All right. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. No, you're doing good. You're I'm doing limping. Great. You're doing I'm great. limping to the finish line. <laughs> um, all right. So let let's talk about mindset here. Yeah. Again, as as a pre-med uh <laughs> that I that I put myself into, having forgotten most of this content. As a pre-med is taking this, having not learned this content yet, potentially, and they're sitting here going, okay, like, again, I just feel like a complete dum-dum taking this. I'm not ready for the MCAT. The MCAT's too hard. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be a doctor. I'm not going to get into med school. Um, how, how do we break out of that mindset uh, and, and just negative self-talk? Because I have that conversation a lot with students that mm. a lot, especially ESL students with CARs. Mm. A lot of their brain power goes into, I, I'm I'm reading this too slow. I don't understand this. Oh my gosh, my English is too bad. And and they're using all of that brain processing power, thinking all of these negative self talks instead of just mm. focusing on the passage. Mm. Like, how do we overcome that? One of the biggest lessons that I learned in my recent years, because I've always been a bit of a perfectionist. And I think this goes above and beyond just like the MCAT stuff. Like it's like you said, like we mentioned previously, it goes into the pride, it goes into the ego. You want to do something well, and you don't want to feel like you're inferior when you do something and it doesn't give you the result you want. The biggest lesson that I learned is that done is better than perfect. And what do I mean by that? Anything that you do when you start, and I'm sure like, you know, starting up a podcast or starting up anything, like it's, you know, the first couple episodes, you just got to get out. You're going to learn the ropes. You'll realize that maybe the camera angles you got to fix or the lighting. Gotta, but when you do it, when you actually take your first step, that's when you start to see progress. That's when you start to see, okay, I did these things well and I didn't do these things well. But my next version, I can start to focus on that. It's that one step at a time mentality, right? It's the same thing with the MCAT. If we talk about cars, you're absolutely correct. A lot of people look at cars and like, I read too slowly. I have no idea what's going on. I can't, I, I just don't know. There are strategies. There are approaches. There's things like focusing on Roman numerals. There's things like focusing on the tones. There's things like focusing on transition words, focusing on ideas, Focus on each one of these strategies one at a time. Every time you approach a passage, just think, I'm going to work on one skill and one skill only. Even my highlighting, I'm literally just going to highlight the tone words. I'm going to miss five or six questions and I'm okay with that. But I know when I get that tone question, I'm going to nail it because I saw every adjective that they said, I'm going to zone in, I'm going to figure it out. And that's one question that you're now, your brain is tuned to so that when you read more passages, you're going to realize those tone words. The next passage, you're like, you know what? I'm going to look at transition words. I want to see how ideas relate. You're going to highlight in contrast to, or like furthermore, or like on the other hand, right? You're going to pay attention to these words so that when you, you're, get, you're asked a question about idea relationships, you're like, hey, 
I know how this stuff fits together. I'm going to miss the other three or four questions and I'm okay with that, but I'm going to get this question. When you compartmentalize things, you make it step by step. You take that big goal, turn it down into like little things one step at a time. That's how you can keep that motivation because you'll have that progress to motivate you. You realize that done is better than perfect, that some progress is better than no progress. And then ultimately, like if you stack that over time, you build that good habit, you build those reflective habits, you build that thought process and that confidence. By the day it actually matters, it's going to pay dividends. So I just say to these students, like, keep up your good work, keep your mindset open, have a growth mindset, learn from your your mistakes, and it'll all pay off in the end. All right. So there you have it. Again, bio, biochem, discrete section. Hope this one was helpful for you. Diving into a topic, these these sections that a lot of students struggle with coming off that lunch break, jumping into bio biochem and potentially struggling. Hopefully these episodes with me breaking down or trying, trying to answer these questions with very little knowledge at this point and still getting a lot of questions right. Hopefully this will help you understand the thought process behind doing well on the MCAT. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to sign up for that free account over at blueprintmcat.com. This is MedEd Media.